Today is Tuesday, March 24th, 2020, and you're listening to Corona Toast. Uh. Yeah. It's your boy, bad boy for life, Juan Huevos, numero 19, 007, secret agent, Juan Bond, the name is Bond, Juan Bond. Thank you for tuning in to episode three, three of a kind, third time's the charm, close encounters of the third kind. So how's everybody doing out there? Uh, I made the big push today, posted this on Instagram, didn't get a lot of likes, did get some listens though, that's cool, that's cool. I guess we don't do it for the likes, right? I mean, we do it because we want to do it, I'm doing this because I want to do it, right? I want to do it, yeah, well, I want to do it, I want to do it. I do like the likes though, the likes are cool. Especially when you're at home and you don't get the high fives and back pats. I mean, usually I'm walking down the street and people are just running up, patting me on the back, fist bumps, uh, little fucking toe taps, like kid and play. Like I'll just start doing kid, the kid and play dance with a, a random fan on the street. But these days, uh, nothing's really popping like that. So yeah, it's getting lonely. It's getting lonely up here in the crib. My cat's uh, my best friend and you know, she's kind of has been for a while now, but like it's becoming really apparent and you know, we're starting to kind of get on each other's nerves, you know, like we've been together too long already. I just put her outside cause she was begging for, for food so much. And she does this thing where she, wherever I, I walk in the house, she assumes that I'm headed to perhaps get food for her. So she will gallop in front of me and slide on the hardwood floor. And I know it sounds like it's kind of cute, but when every time you walk back and forth in your house, which is something that I do quite a bit, um, to have this animal just darting between your legs, basically, and skidding out in front of you, you know, it's, it's like cute, like the first two times, you know, the first two times ever. But when this is something that happens multiple times a day, it starts to get on your nerves. And I felt myself getting a little, uh, a little frustrated. I've also been trying not to, um, you know, I've been trying to be like, you know, like the Seinfeld bet. I've been trying to think of like no nut, no nut, no nut November. Think of no nut November. This has been like the no nut quarantine or I'm trying. It hasn't been a no nut quarantine, but I'm trying. Um, and wondering if I'm getting a little, a little fidgety because of, uh, because of that, you know, if my nerves are a little, a little shorter than usual. I'm sure, uh, some of you out there know, know what I mean. What did I want to say about coronavirus? Anything? I don't know. Uh, I've, I'm still stocking up. I, I'm here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We are not on an official lockdown yet. So I keep stocking up. And really, I think to myself, I hope I have enough stuff to share. You know, I'm thinking about the sharing. 
And today I tried to order some toilet paper online because my guest for the last episode, Kristen Garber, had had posted on Facebook about ordering uh, some some jumbo rolls from Amazon. So I tried to order some toilet paper today and it was not easy. I actually ended up ordering Kleenex, which seemed to be more available because, hey, guess what, y'all? Not really a big difference. Uh, I run out of toilet paper all the time. I'm a snot-nosed brat, so I have Kleenex in the house. Run out of toilet paper, substitute Kleenex. Sometimes the Kleenex, I'm almost like, it's almost like a a nice vacation with the Kleenex. So maybe y'all should be buying more Kleenex, though. That being said, there's no Kleenex at the grocery store either. So, you know, whatever paper product you prefer, um, you know, go for it. And when it comes to food, I hope y'all are maximizing your... uh, maximizing everything that you have. For example, I'll take a whole chicken and I'm basically like dances with wolves with this shit, you know? So first thing, I took the whole chicken and I kind of, I removed the back and the neck and the wingtips. Boom. I got a chicken soup that I made out of that shit. Then I take the legs off and the legs I like kind of like, uh, like slow cook them, kind of simmer them, simmer them in their own fat and whatnot and had these really delicious chicken legs. Tonight, I just roasted the breast and wings, hella old bay on that shit. It was like, uh, it was like I was at, a, I was going to say at a seafood picking. It was that it was like I was at like a low country, low county, low country broil, low county boil. I don't even know what you call that shit. LCB, you know what I'm talking about. Um, felt like I was picking at little crawfish when I was really picking at little chicken pieces. And then I save all those bones. Boom. I make a bone broth, I make a chicken stock, I make a broth. You know, back before it was bone broth, it was just broth. You know what I mean? Okay, uh, that's enough of me. Let's get into it with our guest, the very special Matthew Park, a good friend, a great musician. Love this guy. Uh, we've had a lot of great times together, most of them involving um, partying and then talking about how depressed we are. But... We're two happy, fun, go lucky guys. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. So, so who are you? Who are you? Uh, this is Matthew Park. I'm talking to you from Portland, Oregon, in the great rain coast of the Pacific Northwest. Is it is it raining there right now? Uh, not at this exact moment, but um, it was raining quite a bit earlier. In fact, this morning it was like pounding rain, which is a bit unusual. It's typically like a annoying constant drizzle but it was really coming down and then we got a little break of sunshine and i got to leave the house and 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 go on a decent walk around the neighborhood so thankful for that would you say the rain is like a fine mist i don't think that i would say that but i I don't mind you saying that i don't know if you've picked up on this lately but um because you there's no reason why you would have but between my attempt at stand-up comedy and my attempt at being a podcaster i love referring to things as a fine mist but i love referring yeah. to things that aren't actually a fine mist as yeah. a fine mist such as toilet paper or uh, a really thin the sides of a really thin glass i like yeah. referring to stuff like that as is like a fine mist yeah i i've been working well i was working at this ramen bar um and we serve a sake that's called chrysanthemum mist. So there you go. You mentioned that you worked in a ramen bar, and I assume that you're not doing that now, correct? That is correct, yeah. Um, the last day of work for most of us here was um, March 16th. Well, that was eight days ago. It sure was. Uh, that was also the same day I, I my, filed my initial claim for um, 
unemployment insurance benefits. So how's that going? And it's not going. Um, you know, actually, the uh, I listen to a lot of NPR radio, and you know, while I'm cooking and things like that. And I remember that same evening after I had applied for an, uh, unemployment, I heard uh, there was like 29,000 people in Oregon applied that very same day. You know, just that one day. So. You know, they're completely overwhelmed. I think the unemployment office itself was hiring people just to help um, deal with processing all these claims. So I imagine it's going to take quite a bit longer um, for it to all go through. Do you think that you're actually going to get any money or like or are you going to get it when it's like too late? I mean, obviously, money is dope anytime you get money. I think that it'll happen when it happens. And I'm I'm pretty sure that the way they do it is. Um, they'll pay you the benefits, uh, you know, retroactive from the date which you applied. You know what I mean? So it wouldn't be like, oh, you're waiting all this time, and then, you know, let's say it comes through like mid-April. It wouldn't. It wouldn't start April. Like they would send you the money back from when you first applied. You know, so it's, as long as you can just kind of coast through while you're waiting, um, you know, like I can pay my rent this month. You know, just kind of barely. Uh, I'll have to tap into a bit of my savings for that. And then next month, it's going to be more of a kind of do or die situation with the unemployment. But, you know, have you seen anybody in a gas mask yet? No, I have not. What no. about what about a gas mask attached to a bong? <laughs> right now, you actually you'd think of all places you, you would see that. here. <laughs> I feel like Portland. Somebody's definitely got a gas mask bong in Portland. Give it up for gas mask bongs. Yeah, I mean, right, I'm sure. I, you know, But the thing is, though, John, is that because we're all kind of doing this, um, you know, isolating business, um, you know, we're not really out and about to see. I can't, I'm not like a man on the street able to report everything because I'm, I am also someone who's kind of shut in. You know, I, I've tried to do my little outings on the, you know, like take a walk along the river and, and stuff like that to get some air when it's nice out. And I still like to walk around and take photographs and things like that. But um, otherwise I'm just kind of here just like everyone else is. And you go to the grocery store and you see the people with the gloves and the masks and then you're like, okay, are they, are they, are they just being extra paranoid or, or am I being like extra laxed about it? You know, I, I'm waiting for people to start just robbing shit because they've already got masks and gloves on and like, nobody's thinking anything of it, you know, and you can basically yeah. just get to where you need, like, you know what I mean? Like if you walked into a bank six months ago with a mask and gloves on everybody in there would be hella squirrely, you know, but sure. like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. walk in all kinds of places. I mean, my mind is on crime. Like, you know, <laughs> most of the time. Sure. Uh, um, so give it up for my mind is on crime. most of the time. Um, and I feel like, yo, this is like the time, bro. Like throw some sunglasses on and a dental mask and some fucking, uh, black latex gloves and like just mob on these fools, you know, it's not a bad idea, John, but I don't condone it. I yeah. Don't condone I mean, behavior. you know, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to take though. I'm trying to, I'm trying to Robin hood this shit. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to rob a sure. bank and then go buy a bunch of toilet paper and give it to a bunch of old people. Right. You know I, mean? I mean, and you know, sure. And like, you know, that's the thing too. Like the Portland is a city that's, you know, made up of a huge, um, service industry. Um, you know, there's so many fantastic bars and restaurants in this city and the foods the food scene here is top notch you know so it's so many places and so it's a ton of places all shut down at once however a lot of the places are remaining open just for takeout orders only 
Um, How do you feel about the thought of possibly people infected with COVID-19 preparing your food? I I don't know how to feel. I don't know. I mean, like I went, I, there's this place I love here called Mississippi Studios and it's my favorite venue around here. And they have a bar uh, as well and they do these really great burgers and they're all shut down. So they're like, please come by, get a get a burger from the takeout window, you know? And like, but, you know, I went to get a burger from the takeout window and uh, tipped very handsomely just to show my, my appreciation for the, the people there. And, you know, everyone I could see inside there were wearing gloves and and being very careful about the way they're handling things. And you know, they gave me my uh, my burger in a, a paper bag, and I wasn't allowed to eat it on the property at all. So I went into my car and sat and ate a delicious burger and looked out the window of my car. Give it up for car burgers. Yeah, you know, really great, great burger, you know. And uh, but then I'm looking out the car window and. Uh, there's a guy like walking his dog like back and forth, and the guy uh, the guy's wearing a mask, and I'm just thinking like why why are you wearing a mask like you're outside walking your dog like I don't remember anyone saying that it was like that the illness was was contagious via the air we breathe. A, an yeah. older white lady on and I don't know I'm not you know I'm not out here to pick on older white ladies so she doesn't even need to be white or even be a lady she could just be a person but that's a good it, point john it's thank nice you for to, making that it's nice to imagine who the actual person was and in this case it was an older an older white lady and she uh on the trail uh i came jogging by and she got off the trail i mean the trail's pretty wide it's wide enough and she got off the trail to be like far away from me as I came by. And the other day I passed a family on a bridge, which is also about as wide as the trail. And I swear I all heard them uh, intake breath like, <gasps> you know, they all like suck their breath in. And I, yeah. I felt like the dad like did like the full arm spread and like pressed everybody back against the guardrail to like right. keep them away from me. And I'm like, yo, we are outside. I'm not looking your direction. I'm not touching yeah, I'm not gonna, you. Exactly. You know, but people are crazy about that. Let me uh, let me ask you this. Let me let me switch gears here uh, a little bit. Um, so you're in you know you're in two boats um, in a way. You're in the you're in the the food uh, service service industry boat, which is um, obviously a difficult one to be in right now. And truth be told, it's a difficult one to be in um, at any time. Side 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 note, dude. Do you know how glad I am that I don't work uh, at a grocery store anymore? I've worked at grocery stores for like the last 18 years, and I am so thankful that I'm not uh, in that field at the moment. Good for you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, You you are so you're you're suffering because of that. And then also you're a musician. And do you have anything to say about sort of the frustrations of of that element of things of like that hustle, especially in a time like this? Well, I mean, I came to realize quite a long time ago that um, it's not looking good for me uh, to make a living out of music. You know, it only happens to a very, very small percentage of of people. And we know a few of those people who have made it to the big to the big times, you know, and and most of the rest of us are just kind of still working the uh, the day jobs or night jobs or whatever. And um, I mean, personally, for me, like. I hadn't been working on music for a little while and, and that's not really worth going into here, you know, but it was just about depression and this feeling of kind of being lost and confused, not knowing what I'm, I'm doing and still having to, uh, still having to pay the rent and the bills and, you know, living in 
you know, a bit of an expensive city. And so you just take these whatever dumb jobs you can get and uh, hope they're not too dumb, you know. But, you know, now that I, I'm not working uh, through no fault of my own, you know, like I figured uh, now is the perfect time to go ahead and get back to work, you know, force myself to like stay productive so i'm not just sitting around drinking beer or watching movies all day long all the time you have to like try to do some stuff right so give yourself a project uh give yourself a few different projects and i wasn't you know i i made a new song and it's a really weird song i did it in kind of a uh hustled kind of manner um i, I didn't spend a ton of time cleaning it up like uh, or obsessing over it like i have in the past i was like i'm just gonna do the song really fast and try to put it out there on the internet and tell people about it. And, you know, that's what we always do. Like release something, you tell people about it on Facebook and Instagram, and then maybe 10 people notice it or whatever, you know? So it's not like, I I wouldn't want to say that I was doing that on purpose as a way to make money, but I I think that it's, it's a good opportunity to just kind of remind people that, you know, most musicians don't get paid at all. And, you know, you could have your songs on Spotify and likely never, ever receive a single penny from them because you just hadn't had enough people listening on there, you know? Um, so that's just how it is. So I, I wouldn't want you or anyone to think like, oh, he's making songs as this like new business venture. It's it's more just like, okay, I've got some time and some energy I want to put into this now. And I want people to hear it. And I want to open the door up for people to donate some money if, if they want to, you know, it's still available for free. I think that we all are coming into a time period where a lot of us could use a little help and I don't see anything wrong with saying, Hey, you know, uh, you can toss me a bone and, you know, in exchange, you know, here's, here's some art that I made that isn't, you know, painful to listen to. Uh, I'm a fan of your music. I always have been, uh, I probably always will be. And, uh, if it's all right with you, we will, uh, play, play your new song at the end of the podcast. I hope that's okay. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, sure. You know, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a very weird song. Do you have uh, anything to say about it? Okay. So I know as, a, as you, as a songwriter, and I've I've done this too, but I, I know you've actually like turned it into real songs, perhaps more than I have, but maybe not. But I know that sometimes you'll you'll be working on a tune, you know, you've got the jam, you got the jam going that you've been working on, and you'll kind of just start mouthing some lyrics, you know, just to have something to sing along with the music, and then you know, you're, so you're just kind of fucking around and you're just kind of singing some random words. But I know that you've had those random words actually become the song in the past yeah. so did that happen with this one or did you like have an idea yeah. like what came first the music or the lyrics you know it was just the the main lyric that i repeat a lot in the song uh which is came into an- my head. Anthrop- anthropomorphize your addiction yeah <laughs> it's hard to say bro at least as late as i am it's it's hard to get it's hard to get that out it's hard to say but it's it's easy to sing like it works in the melody i don't know like it's just because like Long story short, I wound up, uh, you know, in some counseling and it was a bit of, you know, like a substance abuse counseling kind of scenario. And I remember this really intelligent and very friendly and kind man who was my counselor uh, describing addiction to me as like, you know, it as being a monster, you know, like that's like the addiction monster. It's like it has this it has this body or whatever. And like it's going to try to feed off of you and you have to try to, you know, like trying to give me this visualization about it to be like, Oh yeah, it's like this thing I can envision and try to like visually fight against it or whatever. And something that that conversation just popped into my head a couple of weeks ago. 
and I, I've I've kind of always remembered that concept anyway. And then I don't know. I just decided to use the word anthropomorphize instead. And even and uh, that's what the song's about. It's just about addiction and uh, hope and stuff. And it's really really a uh, weird song. Yo, that's that's awesome though because I'm way into the concept of of pulling you know uh, pieces out of our lives like that and then turning them into music. You know, a lot of times when I sit down to write a song, I make a beat and then I just start writing and then I usually just you know kind of vomit out whatever's on my mind. Usually I turn it, I use it as a way to kind of like milk the teats of my sad cow. You know what I mean? Yeah, I here I'm, sure. an, I'm, anthropomor <laughs> I'm anthropomorphizing my sadness as a, exactly, cow, yeah, a sure. cow with yeah. a swollen udder full of miserable memories. And then when I, I start writing raps, I just start milking that cow and I squirt out uh, yeah. sad, you know, sad rhymes into the bucket. But um, that's awesome. I'm really I'm actually glad there's a story behind that. That's deeper than, you know, you just making up some words. That's actually really no, cool. Man. That makes it of a lot course. better. That makes it a lot better. Yeah. I mean, the thing about like artists, right? I mean, and this is not an effort to pat us all on the backs or whatever, but now nah, we're dope. You know, pat us, pat us like, on the back, bro. Pat us on the back. But it's, it's like, you know, the so many of us as, as artists and whatever uh, medium you work in as an artist, it's like, you know, um, many of us have spent a lot of years like doing a lot of really intense suffering for real, you know? And uh, I think the the hope is that if you can kind of um, share that with, with someone else who who doesn't really have an outlet for it, and if it can reach somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I totally get what that person is saying. Like, I feel the same way. Like, then that's something good that you've just done. You know what I mean? And I don't sit around writing songs with thinking that, on in mind on purpose it's just these things come out and i think like okay like we're artists who a lot of us have suffered and it should be worth something to someone who, who could who could use that uh, help or advice from you as in the form of a painting or a dance or a song or a film or whatever listen man are you scared are you scared about this this corona shit um um on a personal level no but on like outside of myself level yeah for sure and, and within myself as well I, I, let me rephrase that like i i'm i'm not living in fear necessarily of contracting the coronavirus you know however i am someone who's dealing with the with the ramifications of the virus um by not working anymore. You can be scared of what's going to happen because of the virus. You don't have to be scared of the virus itself. I, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's like I had, um, I, I don't know, but you know, like I said earlier, like a lot of these, um, restaurants and, and, and bars here are trying to just do these takeout only businesses. And then I started realizing, well, I would love to go and get a, food from you all the time but like so I don't have any money coming in anymore so I can't I can't even support you you know what I mean so it's like the people who need the help the most like the people who would want to help them are, are also people who are in the same boat that's huge I mean that's that's very relevant I've thought about how like okay look like we this is a time more than ever that we need the well-moneyed people, the very rich people of our society to kind of step in and say, okay, you know what? We're going to order takeout a lot. We're going to help you out a lot. We're going to buy your painting and we're going to buy your, your song or whatever. Um, 
that that's what we need that's what we need to happen right now you know i mean i don't know what's going to happen to the economy eventually i mean everyone's really worried about it there's going to be a lot of businesses that will be ruined by this completely a lot of people will be out of work and completely from this and when this kind of uh, when when things blow over, it's going to be like a massive reset for everybody, and everyone's going to be scrambling to find work, but the work might not even be there, or it'll be like a massive competition to get a job at the places that that made it through. You know, it's going to be a lot of people scratching their heads, myself included, thinking, "Well, what the heck am I going to do?" For money now, you know. Listen, we've got about thirty seconds. Um, Diane Keaton does a fashion podcast in this same studio, and so I got to be out of here. But uh, real quick, and like just less than a minute to go. Um, what's your toilet paper situation? So yeah, we're out of toilet paper. I went to. Um, I, I luckily had like a, a little six pack of. Now, if you get like a six pack, it's like, well, this is a six pack, but it's actually like an eighteen pack because the rolls are so thick, right? And uh, so I have one of those that's like pretty decent stuff that I got from uh, the shelf at Fred Meyer, kind of right at the beginning of this. Pretty decent stuff. Uh, and then I went back to Fred Meyer one of these times and they had put out a, a wooden pallet, not even like on the shelf, but just like in the middle of the floor. Like they put out this wooden pallet of, of the single ply, you know, Kroger brand toilet paper and people were snatching it up and this one lady was literally filling her shopping cart with it. And I had to stop myself for, maybe I should have said this, like, Hey, why are you taking all of this stuff? Like, what about other people who actually might need it like, for real? It's tough to say something, but it would have been cool if you had said something. Yeah. But then I was like, well, who the hell knows? What if she's buying it for like everyone in her family? Like, I don't, I just did in these I know. weird times. It's, yes. These are weird times and it's tough because you don't know her story. And I don't want to start any conflict with anybody unnecessarily either because everyone's so on edge at, in general, you know. But anyways, I went ahead and grabbed one of these four packs of, like, the crappy single-ply toilet paper just to have on reserve, you know what I mean? So, like, okay, if worst comes to worst, I have this as a backup. Hopefully I can get some decent stuff. But, um, you know, as far as toilet paper just in general, I, I'm, like um, – Larry David in that episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where, you know, Cheryl is getting like the organic stuff and he sneaks in like the real good soft stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, I kind of have that attitude <laughs> about it. And I have a very Larry David attitude about a lot of things. Like uh, you know, as but, do I, as do I. Yeah, well, but I the same way. It's like, I, you know, I love recycling and all this stuff, but I'm like, well, I want the toilet paper to be good. Diane Keaton's agent is looking at me through the glass and she's pointing at her watch and I think she's fucking. What kind pissed. of radio show is Diane Keaton doing it? She does in a fat. She does a fashion, uh, a fashion, a fashion podcast. Yeah, because you know how she's still dressing, all you know, like Annie Hall yeah. style. You know, so. Well, she's... do me a favor, if you would, if you don't mind. Um, will you tell her that I'm a fan of her work? I will definitely tell her. Yeah, I really am. So I'd appreciate that, John. Thanks. I will, and uh, everybody, stay tuned for. The hot new track by Matthew Park, Anthropomorphic. <laughs> Take two. Stay tuned for the hot new track from Matthew Park, Anthropomorphize Your Addiction. Thanks, everybody. Matthew, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you very bro. much. Be well, everyone. Be safe. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Anthropomorphize your addiction. Five zero.